There's a wellness revolution. People are sick and tired of the sick care model. We're in a health crisis. Obesity on the rise. Heart disease, cancer continue to go up. People dying from prescription drugs. Something has to change. And it begins with us. And now here's your one and only, Dr. Vic Mantle. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and I'm excited to be back on Wellness Smart Radio. Excited to have you here. There is, you know, we were looking at when we were looking at the relaunch and everything that's going on with coronavirus in the world, we're like, hmm, this would be a good time to come back and uh, start our first episode with this and really dive into the fear and all that it's about and so much more. And what's fascinating about this is, you know, first, is the virus real? Well, the virus exists. That's real. That's 100%. Now, the question to ask, though, is the hysteria and fear that they're bringing with it real? And that's not. It's false. And I'm going to be sharing with you guys some tips and tricks and things to show and break down the percentages and the numbers and so much more as to how much this hysteria and fear really doesn't exist. So let's dive in. Um, I was, you know, Italy. Big stuff going on in Italy right now. They're shut down. Milan shut down. They're shutting down businesses. They're not letting nobody do anything out there at the moment. You know, just to look at for number perspectives, 15,113 people with the coronavirus in Italy with a population of 60.4 million. 1,146 people have died from the virus, which leads to about a 6.7% death rate. Okay. A little higher than everyone else. But when you look at the overall population, about how many people have the coronavirus to the 60.4 million, that is only 0.025% of the population will contract the virus. And based on the death rates, even though it's, it seems high at 6.7%, the actual death rates are 0.00189% based on the population of who would die from the coronavirus. So this is why the hysteria of fear doesn't exist. It's made up. Well, let's go a little further. In America, 1,600 cases have been diagnosed with 41 deaths. That's a 2.56% death rate, which is roughly closer to what we've been seeing. Um, there are countries that have cases up in the twos and 300s that have no death rates, by the way. When we look at the overall population in America, it's 329 million as of last year, 2019. 0.00048632% uh, will contract the virus. Out of that, 0.00001246% will die from the coronavirus. Again, how much is that hysteria? How much is this led by fear and hysteria overall? I want you to look at this from a number perspective and I always look at numbers because it gets rid of emotions. Now, my question is, and I can't find the research on this, and I'm looking for the stats that determine this. How many of the people that died in Italy, how many people that died in China, how many people that died in um, America are they immune compromised, elderly? What was the age? And so much more. I can't find that because what research I have found that says that 14.6% of the people that are dying above 80 with the coronavirus, and then 70 has a certain percentage, and I think over 60 is like six or five percent. So my concern is okay, 
how many of those are immune compromised? How much are elderly? Reason why is because the people that are at the highest risk are going to be the ones that are immune compromised and they're elderly. Those are the ones I have to worry a little bit, but I'm going to share some tips and tricks and things that you can do to empower yourself. So that if you are above that age and you are immune compromised or you're a little older, above 60, and you're a little nervous, there are things you can do to empower your immune system. Okay. And we'll talk about that in just a bit. But this whole fear has really taken over society. And fear downregulates, lowers your immune system. It doesn't allow your immune system to thrive and defend and fight the things that it needs to do. Instead, it's always in a constant, you're regulating it down, which opens the door for you to contract, for you to be susceptible to contracting something or just getting under the weather. It doesn't have to be coronavirus, it could be anything. Now, one of the things that I keep hearing is, oh, the coronavirus is highly contagious. You have to watch out for it. It spreads very fast. And I kept hearing this, and I'm like, I wonder if there's some research out there from the, the, the resources that people are, you know, if you notice that a lot of things I'm going to share comes from the CDC, Center for Disease and Control, and the World Health Organization. The reason why I'm going there is because a lot of times when I bring up conversations or try to get people to think a little different or see something in a different way, they're like, well, the CDC said this, the who said this, so-and-so. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to use their resources. So the WHO came out with a graph and was looking at the, the, the coronavirus, but they were looking at other conditions and illnesses along the way. So it wasn't just one. Um, there was multiple on there. And so we were looking to see how really contagious is the coronavirus overall. And when you look at the chart, actually the coronavirus is just barely, the, the seasonal flu is around 2.3. Uh, when it comes to how many people will be affected, you know, infected from the, the, the flu, the coronavirus is at 2.5. That's the high end. So it's just barely above the flu. When you look at the, the coronavirus with the seasonal flu and the cold, they're almost the same with the coronavirus. So there's not that much of a difference. Now, the key thing is, though, what's truly highly contagious? SARS, smallpox, mumps, chickenpox. Those are highly contagious. The death rates on chickenpox is zero. Mumps is way under. Um, but you know, when you look at like smallpox, which had almost 15 to 17% death rates, SARS had around 10% death rates. If you go to Ebola, which is the same as coronavirus, just about, um, they had a 50% death rate. So when we look at contagiousness, it's no different than the flu and common cold. So that is something I just want to share and kind of bring some reality to when people are freaking out, like, oh my God, because here's the thing, the CDC, the WHO, all the medical establishment, what they believe in is something called germ theory. It doesn't exist, but they believe in it. And they've been per perpetuating this onto society with their fear behind it, because they all have this fear that, oh my God, when there's a germ or if there's a virus, I'm going to get it if I get exposed to it. Well, we know that not to be true, because here's the thing. There's something that the you know other diseases and conditions, viruses and so forth, have come and threatened humanity um, that have been way more stronger than the ones who uh, that we have now today and so forth. Things like the Spanish flu, 1918, right? 500 million people were contracted with it. Or you look at things like uh, smallpox, or you look at the different plagues that existed. If germ theory was true, we wouldn't be here today. Spanish flu in 1918 would have wiped out the whole world because it infected 46, 47% of the world's population. So it would have wiped out the whole world if it was truly that germs cause disease. So that theory doesn't exist. 
There is another theory called cell-mediated theory. And what cell-mediated theory states that there has to be something else to look at that is a reason why some people get sick and some don't when they're both exposed to the same virus. This is why children in the classroom can get all get exposed to the flu virus and half get it, half don't. Why is that? Cell-mediated theory gets to the why. This here's a lot more scientific proof behind it. It makes more scientific sense. It follows the laws of physiology in the body and so much more. And... <clears throat> What they found out is that, you know, when you look at cell-mediated theory, basically it just means focus on your immune system. Your immune system is what wards things off. Your immune system also, if you do get something, if you, your immune system is weak and it comes in, but you work on building it while you, you're, you're under the weather, you can actually shorten the days and times and, and the effects of what that virus or bacteria or whatever does to your health overall. Pretty interesting, right? So when we look at the facts here, is this really worth the hysteria? No. Is it worth shutting down games and things? No. I think there, there could have been other precautions in there that says, hey, if you're under the weather, not feeling well, things along that nature, or, you know, things in that matter, we, we're going to do certain things to detect and see. You know, you can, you can do scanners to check temperatures, you know, different things. Because when you look at the symptoms of this condition, it's a fever, it's a cough, and it's a shortness of breath. That's all it is. Common cold has more symptoms than that. Um, the flu is even worse from a symptomatic standpoint. And so when you're looking at this, you know, what are things you can do? How can we break through the fear and the hysteria? Well, first off, you want to do things that are going to boost your immune system and not deregulate, downregulate your immune system or weaken it. Okay. When you weaken your immune system, fear is one thing that plays a massive role. How your mind is and the state of mind that you're in is going to play a huge role in that. It weakens it. It makes your nervous system go into a hyperdrive mode known as sympathetics or gas pedal. And that's going to downregulate the immune system and not let it function properly. Um, sugar plays a huge role on your immune system and weakens it drastically by all measures. There was some research, and I forget the, the actual teaspoons on this, so please forgive me. I think it was six. It might have been 14. It might have been eight teaspoons of sugar. I don't remember. But they were looking at what one cell immune cell, bacterial cell, it's called a neutrophil, um, how much that, which one cell, how many bacteria cells can it kill? And it was 14 is what they found out. And then they looked at three different layers of sugar and they found out that as the sugar, I'm going to look online really quick here, but as the sugar um, increased, what ended up happening, um, the, 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 the amount that it can kill kept going down. And so it was weakening the power of the neutrophil which they found out sugar drastically plays a role on your overall immune system by weakening it, weakening it. So one of the things you can do is just not eat a lot of sugar. I recommend not doing that anyhow, regardless, because uh, sugar is very detrimental to your health and it creates massive inflammation. But those are just things to look at when it comes to that. Um, not getting proper sleep. In America, we have decreased our sleep to 6.8 hours a day, uh, a night, I mean. And it's just, just horrible and it's decreasing more and more. So, you know, get sleep. Um, when you don't get sleep, you stress yourself out even more, and it causes a huge effect on your overall health. Now, I want to quickly get into, you know, what are things that can boost your immune system, right? What are things that can really get the immune system thriving and just kicking butt? First things first, um, germ versus, uh, sorry, um, the biggest thing you can do is chiropractic care. That's the best thing out there that you can do. If you don't live in LaGrange, Illinois, or around the area, um, you can email me at drvic at visitthewellnesspath.com, and I can find you a chiropractor. Why do I recommend that? Well, Spanish flu, you heard me say this earlier, 1918 Spanish flu, 500 million people were infected. That was a 44.7% of the world that was affected. Now, out of that, 50 million people died, which means there was a death rate of 10%, okay? 
In America, the death rate was 4.47%. But they actually did some stats. They had surveys or, you know, they tracked people who were going to a chiropractor versus those that were going to a medical doctor. And they wanted to see what the death rates were in America. And what they found out was, is in the medical system, when people went there, one out of 15 people would die. That was about a 6.67% because uh, in America, there was 675,000 uh, people that died uh, from the Spanish flu. Now, 6.67% was the death rate. When people went to a chiropractor nationally, one out of 886 people died, which was 0.1128%. Now, what would you choose? Right. If I do the math really quick here and I'm looking at, you know, the, these numbers, uh, you know, and if I divide 6.67, I mean, you're, you're looking at, I apologize, 6.7 divided by 0.1128. I mean, you're looking at a 59 time better rate. So chiropractic, based on those numbers, had a 59 time better rate of having people survive and thrive from the Spanish flu than going to the medical doctor. That's pretty powerful. And, you know, research shows that chiropractic boosts your immune system better than anything else out there. It can adjust your immune system by up to 200%, but then compared to those who don't get adjusted, if, you have, if someone has cancer and they're getting adjusted, their immune system will boost up by 400% compared to those who have cancer and not getting adjusted. Um, and there's even studies have done that HIV patients, um, they did a six-month study and they looked at the, the T cells of the, the immune system of an HIV patient. This is what the virus attacks and breaks down. And... In six months, they looked back at these levels and they found out that through chiropractic, 48.6% uh, of their T cells went up, where the, the normal drugs that they commonly give went down by 7%. So this is the power of chiropractic. We're not even talking about nutrition and other things that we can add into the mix to help boost these things up. We're not even talking about with the Spanish flu. They didn't do anti, you know, antivirals naturally, herbal antivirals, things along that nature. Um, this is just chiropractic of what they did. But there's other things you can do in the process, things like sleep, right? We talked about it. It actually helps boost the immune system and specifically the T cells. Those are the killer cells that wipe these things out. You also, you want to make sure you're having low sugar. We talked about that already. Minimize your sugar. But why is that important? Um, your sugar and vitamin C molecules are exactly the same almost um, when they attach to the receptors of the cells. So what happens is if you have sugar and you're taking in, let's say, vitamin C through foods or supplements or whatnot, and you're having a high sugar diet, that vitamin C will not bind to the receptors and be utilized properly because vitamin C is a huge antiviral. So this is why it's also more critical to lower your sugar levels. Um, there are other things too, antivirals, natural that you can take, things like elderberry. Man, it is phenomenal. Uh, elderberry is a great antiviral. It's really potent. You want to make sure you have some zinc in there to help boost things. Um, colloidal silver, massive antiviral antibiotic that does not damage the good in the body. It does not kill the good bacteria. Um, colloidal silver is phenomenal. It's used for over 650 uh, viruses and bacteria. It is known to attack and kill um, single RNA viruses, which is like the flu, measles, um, uh, the, the coronavirus, um, the cold, um, HIV, herpes, and a bunch of other things. Um, it works on and it can deactivate them. It's pretty powerful stuff. Uh, and then vitamin C, as I said earlier, it's really, really critical. You want to make sure you take it around two to 3,000 milligrams. If you're ever really concerned, you want to know what the max dose you can handle is. Uh, there's something called uh, taking uh, mass dosages until you have diarrhea. Or, and then when you, once you get the diarrhea, then you lower your dose to where you don't have that anymore. You have regular stools. And then that's your dose for you for vitamin C. Um, I only recommend that if you are feeling a little under the weather and you want to boost your immune system overall.
So these are things, guys, that you can do to calm the hysteria. Based on the numbers that I shared with you earlier, it's really, really um, a huge thing. Um, when we look at the numbers and the, the percentages and how low they are, so it's very, very critical to let's 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 get let's get out of this hysteria. Let's get out of this fear, right? Let's really look at what the numbers are, and then you can choose: Am I going to let myself be consumed in this fear and let it control my behavior and make me freak out, and go into a primitive mind? mind uh and, and, and keep me in that state or am i going to choose to empower myself empower my immune system and take charge of my health and make sure that i keep it at the highest level so that my body can ward these things off and i can thrive that really is what it comes down to and it's up to you which one you want to live the choice you make is going to be based on the belief system of which one you think you are if you think that you have fear that um that the germ theory exists, which we know it doesn't, but let's just say it does, right? And you think that, oh my God, a virus is out there. We have to do everything we can to avoid it, shut down, remess, go away and all that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's a model that is not thriving. It doesn't teach you to empower yourself. It doesn't teach you to make choices that are going to help you thrive. Then there's the other model that's going to be the, the self-mediated, which is like, hey, you know what? I know what I can do. I know I can empower my immune system. I know that I can take control of those things and help boost it every way, step, way, shape, or form I can. And that's what I'm going to do. And those are things that you can do to truly drastically shift and change your health. But at the end of the day, the choice is yours. So make a choice that's going to empower yourself and do what's right. The best public health thing you can do for yourself, your family, and so forth is just wash your hands frequently. It's the best thing you, do, you can do. Hand sanitizer doesn't work. They'll say it does, but here's the thing. When you take hand sanitizer, most of those are alcohol-based. And what ends up happening is it, yeah, it'll kill some of the viruses, especially coronavirus. It'll kill some of the bacteria too. But the problem is you don't kill everything. The reason hand sanitizer was designed to be a short-term fix. So like, let's say you touch something, you're like, oh, I don't know. Put some hand sanitizer on there. And then actually, which will end up happening is then you go and try to find a face to wash your hands. It just becomes that little short-term fix to go ahead and do that. That's what it is. So hand sanitizer is the best thing that you can do. Any questions you have, please let me know. But I hope this kind of breaks some of the hysteria and the fear, helps give you a little bit of empowerment to make sure that you make choices that are going to be best for you. I'm not saying not to quarantine. I'm not saying not to go out. I'm not saying, you know, that social distancing and all these other things that they're recommending um, those are things that, you know, it, yeah, it will help decrease, but again, that's a germ theory perspective, boost your immune system, take care of yourself. If you don't feel well, stay home and take care of yourself. If you're concerned that you may have something, you go to the doctor and get checked. But the thing at the end of the day is make sure that you do the things that are essential for you, that you know, that what's going to benefit you. I'm just sharing some things that break the fear. My goal of this whole podcast episode is just to kill the fear, help empower you to make better choices of what you can do to empower your immune system, that these things are not just going to fight. Your body's going to get better to fighting the coronavirus, but it's also going to be the flu, the cold, cold, and so much more. This will give you a fighting edge and correct chiropractic care is the best thing that you can do. So if you're looking, look for a chiropractor. I can find you someone to help you if you're not in the Ligre area where I practice. I'd be more than happy to. Um, any questions you have, please let me know. Welcome. I'm excited that we're back. I'm excited that you're here. Please chime in. Let me know what you think. Go to iTunes. Go ahead and put in what you think about the podcast. Hit a review. I have 100 plus episodes already that we did before, but definitely check them out. Let me know what you think. Um, send a review. Just put some likes and shares. Share a review. It really helps get this podcast out there to really start thriving, to really share some 
really powerful stuff that we're trying to do here at Wellness Smart Radio to empower individuals when it comes to health so you can empower your life, your mind, your soul, to raise that consciousness of who you really are to take your whole life to the next level. I want to thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. There's a wellness revolution. People are sick and tired of the sick care model. We're in a health crisis. Obesity on the rise. Heart disease and cancer continue to go up. People dying from prescription drugs. Something has to change. And it begins with us.